0: Susie Childers was a successful portrait photographer when she was called to share the gospel around the world. Her first thought was, I'm not a missionary. I'm not qualified. But then she realized God can take all of the skills and talents that we've developed and use them to draw people to Jesus. In her case, God has used photography to build bridges with people around the world. You know,
1: and I was introduced as a photographer, I wasn't introduced as a missionary, which gave me an inroad to so many people that would never go to a church. I'm taking my camera, I'm going to places where people are forgotten, where they suffer, where they are neglected, where there are people second class, and I try to get their stories and build a bridge between the need and the potential.
2: Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.
0: Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and we are in our studio today in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, with Paul and Susie Childers. For those of you who are longtime listeners to VOM Radio, you will recognize Paul because he has been with us before. Uh, When he starts to talk, you'll definitely recognize his accent. Uh, But Susie, first time to have you here. Welcome, both of you, to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you.
2: It's wonderful to be here.
0: And Susie wanted me to share that she is from Germany, so when you hear her accent, it's different from Paul's, but uh, she is from Germany. Susie, let's let's go back to the very beginning of your kind of call to missions and your involvement with YWAM. How did God sort of plant that seed in your heart that not just to stay home, not just to stay within your own culture, but to go out and, and take, the, take the message with you?
1: Well, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, so missions was not something that was on my heart. But I was a teenager uh, when I became a Christian. My church was not very mission-minded either, but I was about turning 30, and I thought, man, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? Am I going to just be a photographer, create memories for people, or is there maybe a chance to do something more with this gift? And so I took a really bold step. I thought, one year for God. You know, I had enough money saved up, and I knew that I could go back to my business again if I wanted. And so it wasn't really a leap of faith, yet um, it took some steps of courage. I, I went, and uh, it was in the Himalayas, high up uh, in Nepal, when we met a people group, and we sat down with them and asked them, have you ever heard the word Jesus? And they said no. And I couldn't believe it coming from Germany. You know, there are churches everywhere and you can read Bibles and how many translations. So I said to my translator, just try out. Maybe they say Jesus in a different way. But after trying all of this, they said, no, we don't know what it is. And I had an idea and I said, have you ever heard about Coca Cola? And they started to smile, big smiles on their faces. <laughs> and they said, isn't that that drink, a drink in that red and white bottle? And I said, yeah, that's it. And they got so excited. And they were all hoping that I had brought some in my luggage that I had to hike over mountains. And I looked at them and I thought, how would I ever put that in my luggage? And uh, that was the moment that God broke my heart because I thought it's wrong that people up in the Himalayas know about an unhealthy drink that is 125 years old and have never heard in 2000 years about Jesus. And without inviting God into this, or without looking for a new calling, a new destiny, I made a choice up there that I would do anything it takes to um, carry the truth about Jesus to people that had never heard um, until it's done. Amen. And little did I know that there were a billion people not knowing about <laughs> Jesus, so here There's I am. a lot of work to be 20 done.
0: years later, I'm still in it. but that's So how far into your one year were you at that point? Because you said, I'll give one year to God and then I can always go back. Was that near the end of that year or was that near the beginning or how far in okay. were you? Okay, so Youth of the Mission
1: has an entry door. Anyone who wants to join Youth of the Mission needs to do a discipleship training course. That's a 6 months course. So I spent three months in a classroom. Uh, you learn um, practical things about faith, but then you go on outreach. So it was about four and a half months into my... My one year when God, you know, broke my heart really over this. And I thought, oh, I'm just gonna add another year, then it's done. <laughs> you know? Two years. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's twenty four years later. I'm still here and I love what
0: I'm doing. Amen. One of the things and I as I looked at the website and read up a little bit about you, you were a photographer a lot of mission agencies would say, well, wait a minute, you know, you need to go to seminary. You need to do this. Uh, How did you find a place for your photography skills? Um, And how does a camera serve to open doors to talk to people?
1: I don't have a theological degree or anything. And when I joined Youth of the Mission, the biggest bag I brought was my camera bag because that's all I had. I had nothing else. And so I started a journey, and it was also up high in the Himalayas when I I thought I was just taking memory shots uh, for my friends at home, for my family. But when I came home, um, and I showed them here and there, there was one time there was a graphic designer, and he said, "Susie, you need to show these pictures. The world, has, you know, the world doesn't know what's happening up there." And so he said, "If you say yes, I'm gonna prepare a tour for you." within Germany, and I'm going to make a nice poster that we can post out, and uh, you're going to talk about your experience. And I remember the first time I drove into one of our towns, and I saw everywhere my picture, and I went to the (laughs) venue where we had this event with, you know, back then we had slides and stuff. I was so afraid, thinking, oh my word, the people have paid to hear me. You know, and I was introduced as a photographer. I wasn't introduced as a missionary, which gave me an inroad to so many people that would never go to a church. And that really started a journey. I started with exhibitions. Then I thought, man, I can just blow up the pictures and share who these people are. And I saw all kinds of stuff happening where people received callings to go into nations or where people's hearts were broken over issues of injustice. And I thought, wow, I mean, there's way more in my hand that I'm aware of. And so that started a journey that's still lasting. I'm still discovering what it means. But a part of my calling was clearly uh, given to me during a conference in Malaysia a few years ago where we heard about the suffering of women and children. And I listened and I thought, man, we can't sit here and talk about all of this and not one life is changed unless someone goes out and does something. And I said it, I said, someone needs to do something about it. And the message, or oh, the, the questions came right back to me. How about you, Susie, doing something? And I thought, what could I do about injustice? I mean, I'm a photographer. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a medical person. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a policeman. I had all these excuses. But um, at the end of the conference, there was a song that really touched my heart. It was, I want to cry out for those who have no voices. And when I heard that song again and again... I felt like God was saying to me, Susie, I want you to be a voice for the voiceless. And that's really the heart of my calling. I'm I'm taking my camera. I'm going to places where people are forgotten, where they suffer, where they are neglected, where there are people second class. um, And I try to get their stories and build a bridge between the need and the potential. So people who can do something, would like to do something, but will never meet those in need, So I take my pictures and build a bridge between the two of them.
0: How does that work in the areas where you're taking pictures? I'm thinking particularly of, you know, a place where Christians are persecuted or a place where people have extreme poverty and you come in with a camera. Is there generally a welcoming? Hey, yes, please come take our picture. Or is there a distrust like, wait a minute, why are you taking our picture?
1: Well, I never go in by myself. Um, Often the contacts are challenging or dangerous. So I always have locals with me. And I always have my camera packed away when I arrive. And I always try to first make a connection. I want to know who these people are. See, I have two times I can really touch people's lives. The first time is when I take the picture, and the second time is when I show the picture. So when I take the picture, for me, it's the most important thing to recognize. These people are not people in a zoo, and just because they can't run away, I can take their picture. No, these are people made in the image of God. They have value and dignity, and I need to honor that. So I sit down and often for the whole first day, I do nothing but listen. I want to know who they are. I want their names. I want to know what their dreams are. I I want to know their life stories. I always have an album with my own pictures of my own family. I have three kids and I always show them who I am so that we get to know each other. And so when I finally ask them, can I take your picture? And I explain to them why normally 98% would say, sure because the relationship has been built.
0: It's not a strange foreigner coming to take pictures. It's my friend Susie who I've just spent the whole day with.
1: Yeah, and I, I just you just reminded me of a situation I was in Ethiopia in a in a tribal group. I mean, the road finished, we hiked, people were half naked. That's just who they are. And I made a connection with a woman one time I was there, and then uh, about 2 years later I went back And the moment I stepped out of the car, by then the road was built a bit further so we could go in with the car, and someone shouted my name, Susie! And I I wept. I thought, here in the middle of nowhere, down south in Ethiopia, someone knows my name. And that's because I made a, a connection when I first came. And I often have some leftover pictures of my family. I give them away, and I have found them again in their huts. You know, years later... Fully rotten away, and uh, the colors are gone. And yet, you know, for them, that was a valuable moment when they met me. And I, I want that. That's a very important value for me. So, you know, I'm not just taking something from them, but I want to. I want to be their friend. I want to be a representative of Jesus, and I want to be God's hands and feet and and His mouth wherever I can.
0: We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Paul and Susie Childers. They are from YWAM Youth with a Mission. And uh, Susie, I, I want to I want you to talk to someone who's listening, who maybe feels that that pull towards gospel work or missions, but they're like you. They're not a trained theologian. They maybe they're a photographer, maybe they're a graphic designer, maybe they're an IT specialist, but they feel that call. Talk to them a little bit about next steps or or how to understand how God can use the gifts and talents that they have right now in mission work?
1: Well, the first thing I want to say to you, we really need you in missions and in the gospel work. We need good photos. We need good graphics. We need people who can write. We need people who can communicate. We, we need people who do operations for us and books. Uh, don't think because you don't have a typical Christian job that you cannot be used Honestly, um, you have most probably some valuable gifts that are so needed. So if you feel that pull, it's most probably more than just a feeling. It's most probably God trying to work on your heart. And I want to say to you, and that was really helpful for me. Someone said to me, you're not getting married to you through the mission. So that means you can also leave again. You're not giving your whole life. Like the first missionaries, when they left, they left. They packed some Germans, packed their stuff in coffins because they knew they wouldn't come back. That's not that commitment that is asked of you. So don't make it bigger than it is. Take the next step. The next step could be a short-term missions outreach. Could be volunteering at a at a base of, of youth mission or anywhere in the world or in an orphanage where you say, I want to try this out. Maybe I have only a romantic idea, but go and just have some guts in your holidays. Take two, three weeks off and go and figure out how do I like it in another context? How How does that work? And you might fall in love with what you see. There's a good chance. So you're taking a risk. <laughs> um, or if, if an uh, organization wants you to commit for a half a year, a year, you know, you're, you're talking about half a year of your whole life. So don't, don't blow it up too big. Take a next first step that you can take and see where it leads you, where it guides you. So that that would be my thing. You have to have some guts, some courage to step out, but just take it in steps, in little steps. If I would have known that I would stay in use of the mission for 23 years, I would have never taken the first step. Never. It's by God's grace that he often shows us only our next step. And the next step is never too difficult. And don't be limited by finances. So often, you know, we think, oh, I can't do this. I don't have the money. Well, God owns heaven and earth. If it is his calling, he will provide. But it takes your first step, because you have a free will, to show that you're willing. And then just do it and see what happens.
0: Amen. And, you know, I think of that person who maybe they take their vacation and they go for two weeks and they come back and then they don't go back. They still are able to pray more effectively. They have so much better understanding of what's going on on the field of what how they can pray how they can connect how they can be involved so God even if you only go for 2 weeks God's not going to waste that 2 weeks he's going to bear fruit out of that as well so I I just echo exactly what Susie said do do something go somewhere get some experience Susie you have taken photographs in some really difficult and hostile places you mentioned southern Ethiopia I know Afghanistan you mentioned Nepal um what what are those situations like when you're photographing Christians under persecution or Christians who have faced persecution? How does that impact you as you sit, like you said, as you sit and hear their stories and get to know them and their situation? How does that play with your heart and with your mind? It's one of the most incredible privileges
1: that I had in my whole life was sitting in some mud huts, where there was nothing to share but a, <laughs> a, a, a cup of dirty water, and I heard the most amazing stories of the greatest heroes alive, and I feel so little. You know, Jesus says, blessed are the poor, and I've often wondered, what does that even mean? How can a poor pe- person be blessed? But in those places is a presence of God that that I have never, ever experienced anywhere else and I, I, you know, people ask me, so you're going there all by yourself? You have three kids at home? And I always say, no, I'm going with Jesus. And, you know, it's the greatest privilege, he and me, and that's all it takes. And, and then meeting the people that are so close to his heart. I love doing this. Um, yeah, I have been in difficult and challenging and most probably very life-challenging um, um, places and situations. But the joy of being there and the worship that comes forth in me is nothing compared to that. And I, because of my photography, that is my very gift I have laid down at the feet of Jesus. So when I can take pictures in those places, I am the closest to Jesus I can ever be. It's not happening for me in the greatest worship sessions or in in beautiful conferences. It's happening there too, but... I feel closest to Jesus when I can sit in those mud huts and I can listen to those heroes and I can cry with them. And I have cried so many tears just listening, humble to their stories of their lives. So I cannot say anything else, but it's the greatest privilege to do what I'm doing.
0: Amen. Paul, I want to ask you a question because she travels oftentimes without you to some of these places. Does it ever worry you to put your wife on a plane to Afghanistan or some of these really dangerous places?
2: Yeah, there's definitely a challenge. Um, But Susie and I, we both pray and with our kids about, uh, Lord, is this your calling for us to go and do this? And so we hold everything with open hands. And both of us really believe that we are the safest place we can be in the center of God's will. So whether that's in Afghanistan or in in northern Nigeria, um, I'm as safe as I'll be walking across the road in Hawaii. So so we have to really lean on that. Now that's not to say, of course, there isn't like a natural concern. But I remember once Susie was uh, in a very difficult life situation herself personally, and then being called to go into northern Nigeria. And I didn't hear from her for days. And it was a very, very dangerous situation. And finally she called me after several days and I thought, oh, Susie. And I picked up the phone. I'm like, hi, Susie. She said, I don't have any time to talk. And I I could hardly hear her. (laughs) She said, I am in the most challenging situation, but this is what God has made me for. (laughs) And just the joy in her voice lifted all our spirits. So of course there's a natural concern, but it's not an overbearing weight because she's in God's will and I have to leave that with God. And so to really trust, not to worry and not be overly concerned. Of course, we take all the precautions that we need to and that that the Lord shows us we need to take, but we but really need to trust it into God's hand and to be able to release. And so that's my journey.
0: And Susie, I want to ask you the same question because <laughs> he also travels to places that are dangerous and places where he's at risk. How do you process that as a wife? And, and when you're Sending him on a plane to go someplace dangerous, how, how do you work through that?
1: Um, I think you know, we we both agree that our lives are not ours and that our marriage is a gift, our kids are a gift to us, which means like we don't own it. And when we we pray, we ask the Lord, we pray with the kids, we get a yes. And then at the airport, we normally all go to the airport if we can, and we release each other into God's hands. Because as much as something could happen, he goes in in two weeks to to Nigeria, as much as something could happen in Nigeria, as much as something could happen in Kona, Hawaii. So, you know, it's not that one is in more danger than the other, really, if you look at it. And so we release each other into God's hands. We we set each other free in that. And there is a supernatural peace that comes on us. You know, and on the kids, too. I mean, we have a 15, a 13, and a 9 year old So they're fully aware of what's going on. And we have not ever held back on the stories that when we come back and we share them. So they know that Daddy's going to a dangerous place. He's actually taking our 15-year-old son for the first time, which will be a, a great experience. And we just involve them in the calling that God has given us because I believe our calling covers also our children. God has given us a calling. He has given us the children. So that's not separatable. And whatever we need to do in our relationship with God, that's going to add to the calling that they have in their lives. So we're not sugar caning it, but we're not, um, you know, emphasizing on it. And we pray. When when Paul is gone, the kids and I, we pray for him daily and we have special times about this. And uh, it's been a beautiful journey to do this with children. You know, it's, Maybe not the natural thing, but it's a beautiful thing because um, they need to draw to God for their own fears as well, because I can't answer some of those questions and it makes them draw to God. And they all have a very vibrant and beautiful relationship to God uh, in that stage of their lives, which I think comes also because we obey even to go to the difficult places.
2: Might just have to say, Susie is so much more courageous than I am. (laughs) (laughs) She just goes to the middle of these places without a second thought. And I'm there stewing on this. I was going to one place that I knew was really dangerous. And I was kind of going through this process of going, am I really willing to go there? Is it really worth it? And then Susie's like, well, did you pray about it? Well, yeah. Well... The safest place you can be is the center of God's will. I'm like, you're no help at all, are you? I can't wiggle out of this. What's the problem? Get What's on the, bus? the problem? Let's go. <laughs> so Susie is definitely the one with courage
0: in that arena. How is the Lord calling you to get involved building God's kingdom? Paul and Susie Childers have been encouraging you to take the next steps, even when you're tempted to feel afraid. Paul and Susie are gospel workers with YWAM, Youth with a Mission. They have cast a vision for all of us. We don't have to fit maybe what we see as the traditional mold of a missionary in order to be involved in spreading the gospel of Jesus. Susie owned a photography business. She didn't have any seminary training, but she was willing to surrender everything to the Lord. You and I can do exactly the same thing. At our website, vomradio.net, you can hear more stories just like this. You can think of it as training on how to agree to God's calling and testimonies of His amazing work around the world. You'll find years' worth of archived VOM Radio programs. You can also find VOM Radio wherever you listen to podcasts, Some of those past episodes include conversations with Paul Childers from YWAMP. You'll also hear stories of people getting involved in missions at every season of their life. Paul and Susie Childers are going to be back with us next week. Susie will tell us about a mother of four in Nigeria. This mom tried to help her children escape from a violent group during an uprising.
1: She said, I I gathered my kids and I said, let's run into the bush. But as we were running, the, the attackers came closer and closer. They could hear them.
0: I'm Todd Middleton. I hope you'll be back with us next time right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.